Hi, Gwendalena here. Before you start listening, a quick warning. There will be mentioning of a person being trapped underwater and potential drowning. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the annual Houston Marathon. The race will begin soon. Don't forget to tie your sneakers and have a good run. I'm underwater, way underwater. Even with my eyes closed, I can feel it. The cold wetness on my skin, the slosh of the waves, the darkness all around. Only some kind of self-preservation instinct keeps my mouth shut. But when you never know where you're going to end up, you pick up a survival skill or two. You learn to control your body. Your reflexes get faster. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be here. Still thinking, still kicking my legs towards what I believe is the surface. I don't dare open my eyes. Even with them closed, the salt is already burning, crusting around my eyelashes. Making the problem worse is not in my plans. I tilt my head back where I think I can sense a single ray of light and move my legs as fast as I can. I gasp for air the moment my head breaks the sea surface, but it's more water that hits my face. I open my eyes and blink in the middle of a tempestuous downpour, rain so thick it's impossible to see further than my nose. Rolling on my back, I try to save my energies. I squint in the rain to pick up a direction, looking for what could be a line of land, the profile of an island but it's just gray, melting into a blue so deep as to be almost black. A quick and simple spell helps me create a waterproof barrier around my body. It'll keep me warm and dry as long as I can sustain the magic, but to return to land, it's only up to my own strength. I don't lose time in exploring courses of action, wondering what's best for me to do. If you stay still, you lose. But if you move, you'll surely arrive somewhere. If I move, I can return home. So instead of waiting in the hope of a passing boat to pick me up, with no evidence there's even anybody on this planet, I start swimming. It's hard. My legs, my arms, my whole body is designed for the land. On solid ground, my stamina can sustain me for hours. Here, I'm out of breath after a few strokes. But I can't stop. I stop, inhale, dive again. I wonder what would happen if there is no land here and no place for me to run. Would swimming have the same value? If I swim to the horizon, will I pop back in the Houston streets, dry as if nothing had happened? Or will I stay here, lost at sea, sending a rescue message and praying it will be received on Earth? I mean, being lost is part of my life. Ten years and I still haven't learned my commute to work. My sense of direction, or lack thereof, isn't bad. It's non-existent. Not even magic can help. Just like it can't relieve my body of fatigue. They always make sure of that before any race. This is when I collide with the boat. Sweet-smelling wood under my fingers. The worried shout I hear over the noise of the tempest is music to my ears. I'm so surprised to hear someone in the middle of the sea, it takes me a moment to call a translation spell. 
can you hear me? Try and grab this rope. I do as instructed. The rope slips under my hands, and the wind is increased in intensity, but somehow we manage to get me on a boat so small there's barely space for one person. Are you okay? Did the storm take you by surprise too? My mother warned me about the summer showers, but today was so hot, I just said, no, of course it won't rain. <sighs> Serves me right. Well, don't worry, it'll end soon. In any case, strange clothes. Which island are you from? I've never visited another island but my own. They're too far, but I've read some books and seen some pictures. I bet you're from the Southern Seas because your clothes, they seem like they're not really the best for our climate, but but I'm sure they're really great for your climate. I'm sorry, I didn't and mean And they would keep offended. talking really if I'd let them. Offended. I think your clothes are really nice. I'm from the Eastern Seas, which in a way is true. I was born and raised on the East Coast after all. Before they can go on about the wonders of the Eastern Seas or see through my lies, I hasten to ask my next question. How far is the nearest island? Uh, a couple hours rowing, but we'll have to wait for the rain to pass. Let's hope it'll be soon. Waiting is torture. I'm cold and seasick. I lost all my energy. So you've never been to the Western Seas? Yeah. A pity, right? Oh, indeed. My island is the most beautiful. We have this seaweed, this purple seaweed. My granny used to make the most delicious pastry out of it. But, okay, this seaweed. I mean, how can somebody not know how to swim? It's so natural. So we're here. This is home. Should I show you around? I'm sure I'll manage. Thank you. Oh, Tylius. Sam. We nod with the awkwardness of one-time social interactions and that kind of self-questioning, should I leave first? I do. I nod one last time and start running. Now here's the thing. This island is small, tiny, minuscule. My hometown mall was bigger. My middle school was bigger. The houses of those rich kids in college were bigger. I don't think there's even enough space for a proper football field. But worse, there isn't enough space for an approved 400 meter long running track. Horror has a name, and it's called running a half marathon on a track. What are you doing? I may be at my third, perhaps fourth lap when I catch the question passing by. It's a celebration. I pant the excuse as I run right by them and keep going. A celebration for what? Their voice is a fading shout in the distance. It's not like I can stop to narrate the story I'm making up on the spot. Tylius doesn't follow me. Guess they'll have to wait until the next lap to find out. To thank the gods! Fifth lap. I pray polytheism exists in this world. The logical answer is yes, it does. Monotheism has never been the norm, but each world, each universe is different. Thank for what? To be alive! The fifth lap becomes the sixth. I force my mind to continue making up a story, adding details, pulling in background information. It's better than having to think about the fact that I still have at least 40 more laps to go. They allowed us to get back on land after the storm. We, th we thank the land that sustains us literally and provides for us metaphorically. Seven laps, eight laps, I settle into a slow rhythm. Running faster to get to the end is tempting, but it's a trap. Sounds fair. Thinking about it, 
I remember a traveler talking about that when I was in school. Nine laps. Be confident and vague enough and people will believe anything. We just throw our best catches back into the sea. When we make an offering, it has to be the best. Cool. Ten laps. I'm already bored out of my mind. I greeted the same four people ten times, and I'll have to do that forty more times. To think there are people who decided to run ten thousand meters on a track on purpose. It's crazy. My eyes wander in the silly hope of losing count of the laps until I discover that I've run more than I thought. It never works like that. It's always less time, fewer laps, less distance than you perceive. Do you feel you've been running for hours? Check your watch. It's only been 15 minutes. This time I remembered to wear an analog watch, but guess what? Yeah, it wasn't waterproof. How many rounds do you have to do? It's up to us, but the more we've been at sea, the more laps we need to do. Damn, this island is small. The houses are like boxes piled one on top of the other. Imagine skyscrapers, but wooden and crooked in a geometry so bizarre either they're kept together with magic or their engineers are geniuses. I live there. He points to five blue and green cubicles, each with a glassless window. The paint is almost all washed away by the sun and the rain. Seashells dangle in the wind. My lips stretch in a sort of smile of approval. Next, I pass a building whose sign on top of the door proudly proclaims school, town hall, ER, all in one. Another lap, and I point it out to Tylius in silent question. It takes them a while to get it. Long enough for me to run another two laps. Old Peter is our island doctor, and when he became mayor two years ago, he decided to move part of the hospital into town hall so he could continue his job. And the school? Well, there isn't much space. <sighs> no, indeed. <laughs> we do what we can. For the first time since they've started talking, their voice lowers with a certain sadness? Or, or more accurately, self-awareness. Maybe laughing wasn't the best course of action. I don't know what to say. It's my 20th lap when I finally manage to come up with something. It's small, but that means you must be a close community. I pray it isn't actually a scenario where everybody hates everybody else and they're all just forced to live together in truce on the brink of an explosion. Oh, totally. See, old Peter is basically my uncle, and he taught me how to fish, and over there is Aunt Gila, and she makes the best cakes and all- They go on speaking, explaining all the connections linking the 50 people inhabiting this island. It's almost word vomit, as if they actually prepared all of this, just waiting for a possible visitor. I decide to test my hypothesis. 21, 22... 23. So I'm kind of hopeful that maybe I'll get to do something with it, but, you know, we'll see. You seem well-informed about this island. You would make a great guide. 24. You think so? My mother says I shouldn't approach strangers. She says I talk too much and scare them. I hear their voice behind my back as I pass for another lap. 25. Dear God, this is going to last forever. I mean, this interrupted chat is making running in circles a little more bearable, but it's still so goddamn boring. But if you were new to a place, wouldn't you want someone to tell you everything about it? Where to go, the places to avoid? There isn't much to avoid. Except for the seaweed house. What follows is a long story. Enough to keep me company for another ten laps. As explained by Tylius, the seaweed house is on the east side of the island, right on the shore. 
When the tides are high, all the first floor is submerged, and a thick layer of seaweed covers the walls, both inside and out. Officially, it's empty, and parents forbid their children from going there more for the danger of the tides than a fear of some dangerous creature lurking in the house's shadows. What? Auntie Gila lives just nearby, and she swears she heard voices and a person crying in the night. Seven laps to go. And if the sea is calm and there is no wind, you can almost hear a voice singing. Like a siren? A siren. Six laps. Strangely, I wish I could stay longer. Say, I finished the race, just give me five more minutes to say goodbye, but it's not going to happen. I wonder what would happen if I just stopped for a while. Finish the race tomorrow. But if I stop now, no way I'll run tomorrow. Would walking count? The fear of staying stuck is always there in the back of my mind. Another lap. You know, half woman, half fish, they live in the depths. Beautiful, dangerous voices. Maybe it's a way to limit my influence on these worlds. Have you ever seen one? Talking so much already was a mistake. These people are like those you cross paths with on the subway. You don't talk with them and they won't affect your life. But, you say, they started the conversation. No, but my grandfather claimed to have spotted one. Better one hour of rudeness than a lifetime of unforeseen consequences. I should totally visit the Eastern Islands. Totally. And you could show me around. This they add, but I pretend not to hear. I count down the laps in my mind. At the 36th, Tylius starts asking about how I'll return home now that my boat is lost at sea. Oh, they have no idea. Three to go. They assure me their boats are the best. They would gladly lend me one, two. Maybe they could even convince their parents to let them accompany me. I sprint for what I hope is the last lap. The momentum almost makes me trip when I pop back into my reality. Tylius's chatting is still ringing in my ears. At least I managed to disappear while passing in front of them. One more legend to add to their collection. The 195 is written and directed by Gwendalina Cilli, with additional script editing by Chris D. and Kelly Shaw. Intro music by Ray Vargas, podcast logo by C.J. Ardison, sound editing by Amanda Rainey. The runner is played by Justin Maturay. The announcer is played by Amanda Rainey. This episode also featured Amanda Rainey and Stylius. A special thanks to Glacia Oliveira for their enthusiasm and continuous support. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, review and subscribe. If you wish to support us, we have a Patreon and a coffee. Your help is key to continue improving. Do you want to talk or do you have questions? Visit us on Tumblr at a195podcast.tumblr.com and on Twitter at a195podcast. Or you can write at a195podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Remember... It's just one step after the other. And now, a curiosity. The roots of Marathon as a sport lie in a Greek legend. In 490 before Christ, after the Greeks had defeated Persians in the Battle of Marathon, a soldier had to run all the way back to Athens to deliver the news of the victory. He did it, but died soon after from exhaustion. <laughs>